0: One of the reasons I got into movie making and telling stories was like, you're communicating something about the human experience, right? And having that response back is hugely gratifying and fulfilling as a creative person. And I've been missing that for a long time with my work. So YouTube has definitely filled that gap.
1: Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm It. And this is Create A Generation.
0: Create a generation of hype.
2: All right, Freddy boy, calm down, calm down. What's happening this week?
1: This week we're chatting with Eric Haas, who is also known as the SoCal Flying Monkey. He is a professional cinematographer working on shows like The Walking Dead and Better Call Saul, but he's also a YouTuber making videos about his love of flying. Which is
2: why Fred is freaking out a little bit, because he is a flight nerd. Hey, uh, before we get started, if you like this podcast that we've put together for you, please let us know on Apple Podcasts by leaving a review. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Let's go have a chat, to Eric. Let's get into it.
1: Let's get into it.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to Creator Generation. This week, we are joined by Eric, who is the creator behind a YouTube channel called SoCal Flying Monkey. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having me. Hey Eric, uh, first up, what's the deal with this name, SoCal Flying Monkey? Because you are definitely not a monkey. You are from Southern California, and you do fly. So uh, maybe, what's your channel, and and what's the what's the deal with the name?
0: Yeah, so the the flying part of the SoCal Flying Monkey is um, you know aviation related. My channel focuses on our aviation adventures in Southern California and beyond. And the monkey part is um, when I was seven years old. I used to live in Brazil, and we took a family trip to the uh, Amazon and stayed at this hotel where they have like this outdoor zoo with uh, wild animals. And this monkey uh, jumped down from a tree and stole my dad at the time he was a smoker, stole his lighter, and uh, the monkey bit me. So I got (laughs) bit by a monkey when I was seven. So it's sort of like uh, Spider Man who has like superpowers. (laughs) Cause he got bit by a spider. I got bit by a monkey, so I'm a flying monkey. So you're uh, really good at calling like, trees. Yeah.
1: yeah. Have you developed like monkey yeah. powers? Like are there certain things you do really well.
0: Yeah. Just uh, flying, really. Like right. you know the flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Right. See, oh. really, the the point is, is that the name really makes no sense. It's just supposed to be something fun and uh, that you wouldn't take too seriously. So there's an element of like humor in the channel too. So um, I had to come up with some kind of name I like monkeys i like flying and everything's in southern california so that's a socal part so i put it all together
1: it, it is actually it's distinctive it does stand out a lot of youtubers uh when they start they often don't really think about the name and they put it up and they when if the channel does really well they they can end up in a really tricky place if they haven't thought about the name there's a, a creator we knew um this channel was called sexual was called sexual lobster and he got to a really big size and he's like this is ridiculous like this this doesn't make any sense. Uh, he changed it, didn't he, Ant, in the end?
2: No, I'm pretty sure it's still Sexual Lobster, and he's back-posting content.
1: Uh, anyway, so, okay, I'll fly Look, now, I've, I've got to say, uh, I I, ask, I do love aviation channels, and Ant has talked about this before, and, you know, we have. But we've never had any YouTubers on previously who've been in this space, so I'm extra excited to have you here, Eric. Um, Brad is- <laughs>
0: I'm excited brothing. to be here. I I'm last night. It's, it's
2: going well, to in the weird, wonderful
1: place. <laughs> no. but uh, one of the things um, I guess that's particularly interesting about about your channel um, is obviously you know it shares the, your passion of aviation. But your background isn't in aviation, is it?
0: That's right. Yeah, I'm actually um, a professional cinematographer. I shoot uh, movies, TV shows, and commercials here in Los Angeles, California and all over the world but um yeah and then i'm a private pilot instrument rated private pilot so i just fly for fun and i just combine those two things um into the channel
1: cool so i'm gonna ask but probably the best place to start before we talk about youtube is like just tell us about your your career progression like how'd you get into it
0: yeah so i um when i was a teenager growing up in new jersey i really enjoyed making movies with my friends and That was what I did all the time. We would just like go out into the woods, get a camera, make some movies. You know, uh, it was super fun. And then that ended up turning into like, you know, a career. I didn't even know it could at the time. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I didn't know you could go to film school. So I found out about film schools. I went to USC in L.A. and went to film school there and then graduated. And then I was a camera assistant and a cinematographer, kind of at the same time building my reel and shooting pretty much any project that anyone would let me shoot at the time. Um, got a couple breaks with some short films that kind of went viral in their day. This was like pre-internet really. <laughs> this was like back in the 1900s, uh, <laughs> it was like 98. Um, yeah, so got lucky with that stuff, met, met the right people through school and just built my career as a cinematographer from there. Le- led to TV shows and movies and now mostly focusing on uh, shooting commercials.
1: Can you tell us about some of the um, TV shows and movies you worked on?
0: Sure. Yeah, I, um, I did a pilot recently um, for ABC and Warner Brothers that was a spin-off of a uh, really popular show here in the U.S. called The Middle um, that's no longer on the air, but they spun off one of the characters um, and she was going to have her own show. So we shot the pilot for that. I did another pilot uh, several years ago for a show on MTV called Awkward that ended up getting picked up and going to series. And um, I was have been mostly interested in doing the pilot episodes and not continuing on with series necessarily because it's such a long commitment. And I, I'm pretty busy in the commercial space, which um, is kind of a good deal as far as the lifestyle of it goes because you're not shooting every single day on a TV show. You're shooting every day. It's long hours. So it's a little less shooting um, in commercials and a little more variety. So kind of stuck with that. But Yeah, those are kind of the more recent projects that people may have seen other than the commercials that I've done.
1: And I thought I saw you did some stuff with uh, Better Call, Soul, and maybe The Walking Dead.
0: Yeah, I've done uh, quite a bit of stuff in conjunction with both of those shows. I've done a lot of um, like launch promos with The Walking Dead where they have a new season where we do all like the beauty shots of everybody in slow motion or whatever. And I've done a couple commercials with um, some of the actors from those shows that have tie-ins to the show. They, it's sort of like branded commercials. We did one for the Dish Network, which is like a satellite provider with one of the characters from The Walking Dead. Um, and then for Better Call Saul, I've done a few short form series for them that are kind of spin-off, a little spin-offs of the show, like bonus content of the show. Um, short form like comedy drama series. That's what they're calling them. They actually one two Emmys for those, which is awesome. Not really, my cinematography didn't, but the actual program did, which was super exciting for everybody involved. But um, yeah, it's been great to work on those because the the casts or everybody involved in those is so uh, incredible. The talent is incredible, and the cast is always great.
1: Yes, that, so that must be you know, you know fulfilling to have a, like you know a long established career in that space. So, what then made you decide? Hey, I'm gonna try YouTube
0: yeah that's a great question so um when the pandemic happened here uh March of last year march of 2020 uh, the industry pretty much just shut down they, all the production halted I had jobs lined up and they all said like hey we're pushing and I could kind of tell it was gonna be months until we were ramped back up again so i i just ha i took that opportunity to try to stay creative and make something because when you go from making stuff all the time being creative all the time to all of a sudden turning that off it's difficult and I can't I'm pretty restless I can't just like sit and consume and just like watch Netflix all the time like I just want to be creating stuff all the time so I had seen a lot of other aviation YouTube channels and for the last two years before that I was thinking man I should probably do that it looks like fun It could be my own thing. I've got stories to tell. I've got things I want to say about aviation. I've got things I want to share about aviation. It'd be good to like meet other pilots through this and just share the passion for it. So the opportunity came up just because I was forced to have, you know, I had nothing else that I had to do for work Um, and the opportunity to like take that time and put it to being creative came up and I decided to jump on it. So um, one of the things that really attracted me to it was the, this was like another element of it. It wasn't just having the time was that in shooting commercials, there's a lot of times when the network that's involved with the branded, if it has a show tie-in or the ad agency or the product or the production company or the director, or somebody else has a lot of they all have opinions about things. And it can be frustrating because you're just there. You know, I, I realize my job is there to serve what they want and that's that's part of that's what it is so i go into that 100 percent, but it can be frustrating at times creatively especially after you shoot something and then you see how it turns out it's like i wanted that some of that creative freedom that was a big part of it is like this is going to be my own thing i'm going to shoot this how i want this is going to be the story that i want to tell i'm going to do it completely on my own terms uh and i'm just going to put it out there and so that was a big that was a big draw for me
1: nice and then what was like what was the starting point like did you say hey i'm going to make just a video or do you have something in mind you wanted to really make for youtube
0: um yeah that's that's interesting cuz i the i think the very first thing i did was just like a quick snippet of like how um some part of the aircraft worked like the avionics this like new system i had just a little 1 minute thing about how it worked just to try it out and then i put that on but i was just I wasn't even thinking like I was just thinking maybe this will be useful for somebody. And then I thought this was even I was doing this even before I had the extra time with the pandemic. I was just sort of like, oh, maybe I'll put some stuff up just to do it. Um, But I really jumped into it when I had more time. Uh, And then I put up this. My daughter and I flew up to Big Bear, which is, you know, like about an hour flight from L.A. It's in the mountains. And we just like flew up there, grabbed a cup of coffee and like came back. And it was just really about like spending time together that day. And um, I put that on there. And I think that was, that was the first one where there was like a story and there was some heart to it. And I put like a voiceover to it and I thought like, yeah, this, I, I want to do more of this stuff. And I also want to tell the stories of our family adventures. So like, I'll leave this behind. Like this will always be there in 10 years. We'll look back on it as a family. Maybe when I'm gone, my kids will look back on it and be like, yeah, I remember that trip. That was cool. It's not necessarily just family trips, you know, but there's more to it than that, but I think it would be also a cool memory. So um, that was one other thing that like was in the genesis of the, of the channel. That was a a cool thing. I also wanted to do
1: now. Hey, um, we don't, um, like I said, uh, we've had tons of different creators on, on the show. Um, You know, I've liked a bit of the content, but it's rare. You know, we talk, I do. I like, I like a lot of the content there, but like YouTube is, is a, is a passion platform, right? People will typically tap into other, you know, creators I can associate with, and content they, they really, really like. And like if your channel is one of the channels I'd watch like completely. I don't typically watch a complete channel, but I did work through like every video you had and watch them all because that's an area I love. And it's good to sort of talk about that because, you know, you can see how um, that passion translates. And you can see why audiences get so um, connected to the the creators and, and the content they make. Have you ever thought that like how, the impact, impact of your content, like this is something that people really love and they're literally sitting there and – loving all the stuff that you make and your creative output.
0: Yeah. That's one thing that I've really enjoyed about this, the YouTube experience. And that was missing from my work also was that I shoot a commercial and it goes out and I don't know if people see it. They pr- probably don't even want to watch it. <laughs> They're like forced to watch it. Um, and I need no feedback, no interaction with the audience. And one of the reasons I got into movie making and telling stories was like, so you tell a story you connect with an audience some you're communicating something about the human experience right like and and having that response back is hugely gratifying and fulfilling as a creative person and i've been missing that for a long time with my work so youtube is definitely these videos have filled that gap and i get a lot of comments from people that say, Hey, I love your stuff. You really inspired me. I've been thinking about getting my pilot license and I'm starting doing it. Or my wife and I, with my family were watching your stuff and she was really against all of this. And now she sees what you're doing with your family. I'm like, she's totally on board. So we're going (laughs) to jump into it. Maybe we're going to buy a plane and take these adventures. And that stuff is amazing. Like some people are reacting to something I'm creating and it's like moving them to action. What I think is a positive action, spending more time with their family or pursuing a dream that they had, like as a creative person, like that's, that's everything. Like that's all that you really ever want. Mm. You want to make stuff, put it out there and have people moved by it a little bit in one way or the other. And in, and, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really gratifying as a creator.
2: It's really, it's interesting that you, you talk so much about the audience and the audience experience and like the impact the content has on the audience. Um, And particularly when you, you know, a a big advertising background where like the audience is, is important, but um, the the main service is to the brand and the, and the product. So it's a, it's a interesting dichotomy there, I I think, and hearing you talk like that. Um, And do you think that that approach, like that, audience first almost mentality or or like it's a, such a big part of it is helps you or impacts what you create or do you just make whatever you're going to make you're going up to big big bear with your daughter so you're like well this is my story and yeah uh, it doesn't matter if anyone likes it or you, you, do you do you think about that process of audience interaction and and how they're going to receive the video before you make it or once you've made it
0: yeah so to be honest like in the in the beginning. I was just sort of like I'm just making this stuff cuz I want to make it it's for me creatively you know I want to connect with other people but like I just want the creative satisfaction out of it I'm going to noodle it until it I'm happy with it I'm going to cut it I'm going to put music I'm going to color it like I'm just going to take my time on it and then as I got more into it and the channel started taking off I thought well maybe it's a good idea to try to like grow the channel like as much as I can and try to get some income from it and like build it up because there's other things that i want to accomplish with it that i could accomplish and reach a wider audience and do more things with it in the future um if the audience were bigger and i got like some sponsorship and stuff like that so i started thinking a little bit more about like well what do people want to see but i'm not i'm still sort of like well i could i could track this popular thing down right now and i can make this video i could put a camera on myself and just like record me talking about this particular avionics review, this and that, like people would watch it, it could grow, but I'm not creatively going to be happy with it. So I, it's, it's definitely a a push and pull, but I do, I do think about the how the audience is going to perceive it and if they're going to enjoy it now and um, a little bit more of like the YouTube metric stuff and like the strategy of it and stuff, which um, I wasn't really thinking about in the beginning.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So when you like told your family or your wife hey i'm gonna start a youtube channel and now i'm a, a youtuber what, what was the what was the reaction
0: they were like they were like yeah that's cool my <laughs> my oldest teenage daughter is sometimes not stoked about it she's like oh my god it's embarrassing and i'm like no it's not and then i show them like the the comments or the emails from people who are like hey this really moved me and motivated me seeing your family like the you know then she's like oh yeah that's really cool that's really cool so and we have some ideas and stuff that we're working on now that they're they're not as stoked as I'd like them to be about <laughs> just because it's like it is a little embarrassing <laughs> stuff that we're going to be doing but um but that's all right i mean they're, they're and now they're like really on board my wife is super cool and she's like on board with uh she's like yeah i want to do more of it like let's make it as you know good as we can as big as we can it'd be great so
2: Let's yeah. be honest. If if you were Mr. Beast your ki- and you had kids, they would still be embarrassed by you. They'd be like, oh, Dad, oh, get off YouTube. Yeah. You, you're, yeah. you're a dad with kids. No matter what you do, he's going to be
1: embarrassing to them. <laughs> yeah. True. But it's funny. The thing about it is you, you're actually a, a, a big YouTuber. By, I mean, your, your channel's is approaching 80,000 subscribers, which is you know a, a very good – amount of uh, of subscribers so you're a decent sized creator so it would be interesting like you know for your to like hey my dad's a youtuber and he's actually successfully youtube YouTuber. that would be a an interesting thing to, to have i guess um but look i, I understand it's especially
0: to impress them <laughs> especially with like things in the movie business i'm like i worked with so-and-so today they're like who's that or like whatever you know they don't they're like okay whatever
2: well speaking of the 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 movie business and the tv and the advertising business what do they think of if you starting a youtube channel or or youtube in general like what's the perception
0: yeah you know i don't know because i don't really cross it over so much like i don't really tell people that i work with too much about you know hey check out my youtube channel There, you know so i you know the my my friends who are also in the business are like yeah that's cool man we get it like that looks like a lot. You looks like you're having a lot of fun and whatever. Uh, they're all they're all cool with it, but I don't know what people think. Maybe there's a, in general, like oh, it's just a YouTube that people maybe like look down on it in a certain way. You know, like just be like oh, that's not real, like filmmaking or whatever because it's <laughs> YouTube. And you know that in certain YouTube stuff, yeah, like it, it's 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 not the same as what we're doing. But I try to take my skills as, as a cinematographer and storytelling skills and make like the most professional product and everything, which is not as common on YouTube, but I think it, it can still be successful there and appreciated there. I'd get a lot of comments that people are like, man, your editing and cinematography and storytelling. Is so great. Like it's obvious you're a pro. I'm like, that's cool. Thank you for noticing. I put a lot of work in it. That's awesome.
2: What is the difference though? Like between the two then, like what are you taking with you to YouTube and what are you parking at the door and leaving it the more traditional filmmaking.
0: Yeah. So the main thing I'm taking with me is storytelling, you know, um, how to tell a story in a compelling way um, and how to think about each video as its own complete story. So all the, everything I learned in like film school about how to tell stories using all the tools in your toolkit to tell story, you know, like visually, the sound design, music, Um, everything, locations, everything is there to serve the stories. And, you know, when I'm editing, I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's the story? Like, what are people watching? Why do they care in this moment? Why are they still watching this? Like what? So the storytelling stuff is what I really bring. And I bring all the technical know-how and stuff, but I think like pretty much anybody can learn that. And I'm not using the full depth of my knowledge as a cinematographer or the full skills of my professional cinematography, but I am bringing a lot of elements into it in order to make, to raise, elevate the production value of it. You know, like I'll shoot an up flat profile and I'll color grade it. Um, Cause I do color grading also for my professional work. And so like my stuff looks as good as I can make it look with a GoPro. Um, so I'm using everything I know about that camera, even though I don't really use it for work that much, but I use other equipment um, other cameras that I use professionally sometimes on, on those videos. So I, I do that what i'm yeah i guess what i'm not bringing in is is some of the is it's just like working with a crew and working with like bigger equipment more expensive equipment and you know like more professional cameras and stuff
2: hmm. and, and just so like i like i used to work in advertising particularly in production so i i know what the sets and stuff look like and the difference but maybe from your perspective you can explain what does what like a, a a commercial set look like how many people and like how much content are they getting compared to like you as a YouTuber?
0: Yeah. So a commercial set would be, could be 50 to a hundred people. Um, you know, typically my jobs will have in my camera department be like me. And I've got a first assistant camera, second assistant camera, and then like a loader tech person. And then I've got a gaffer and a key grip on the grip and electric side. And each of those guys has three or three or four men or women that work for them. And I oversee so, so yeah, crew of like 50 and big trucks lined up all up and down the street. You know, I'm sure. People have seen, you know, behind the scenes and movies and stuff and cranes and steady cams and all that stuff. And then on the YouTube side, it's like me with like a little DJI Osmo pocket running around and a couple GoPros, you know, or like a little Sony camera, little DSLR. Um, but man, the technology is so good now and these cameras are so small and affordable that like, we're able to shoot amazing looking stuff with just this little thing that doesn't cost that much money and uh, and cut it on your iMac or whatever. Like it's so empowering and amazing because when I started out, it was not like that. We had to beg Kodak to give us a thousand feet of film to shoot our, and beg Panavision to shoot our, give us a free camera. You know, that's, what, that's how I started. And it was like a major deal just to shoot anything that would look remotely good. Now anybody can shoot something that looks really good with, you know, enough like, studying about it
1: what do you find the the most transferable skills are in the youtube space like what works really well and then what is completely you have to you have to throw out the window
0: um what works really well i'd say like if you're a good editor that's number one like even beyond like my profession in cinematography but i i did take editing classes at usc and then i did edit professionally when i was first starting out on a couple like tv shows like competition reality shows back when they were kind of in their beginning stages so yeah as an editor that that's a huge skill that that translates really well um and then wait what was the second part of the question
1: like yeah what what doesn't like is there are there certain things that you were taught in film school that you just when you try to apply to youtube it just don't work at all
0: i i would say like some of the some of the story stuff where it's like a little more complicated youtube tends to be like here's like the title of the video and that's why people are watching it And the video should sort of be maybe about just like that one thing. And sometimes I'll like in in my earlier videos, I was telling a story, but there was a lot of different aspects of the story and things that I wanted to communicate. And I was like, I I eventually realized like the, the simpler videos with like, Hey, this video is just like about this one thing. It's like, Oh, this is the, the uh, uh, approach that I did into this airport. And it was, I got disoriented in the clouds. Like, the video, is ju- if it's just about that, it's going to be more successful than it is. A whole story that has a lot of beats and a lot of... And it's still a great story, and it has that part in it. But people sort of like... Just because of the structure of like the title of it and the thumbnail, that's why they're watching it. And then there's an expectation there from it. It's just the the, the platform and the format kind of lends itself to like... Just tell this one simple thing, so... That's the thing that that does translate and doesn't translate, if that mm. makes sense.
1: I mean, you, you talked about, obviously, you filmed your aviation adventures. Um, it, I guess there is a, you know, flying a plane is already, you know, uh, not tricky enough, but, you, you know, it you requires a fair bit of concentration. When you add, you know, filming in there, that must be a, a bit of a challenge as well, especially when you're trying to think about the shot you're getting when you're trying to fly right. a plane.
0: Um, it's something like that some occasionally other pilots will give us, um, a little bit of flack about just be like, Oh, you know, what's a distraction to have cameras in the cockpit and it, and it certainly can be, but, um, I prepare myself, like I set everything up and I record it and start the audio and then that's it. And I don't think about it. I don't think about what's gonna make it for the story. And I tend in my videos not to like directly address the camera like a vlog and be like, here we are flying, blah, blah, blah. Like I don't really do that. I just like fly, we do our thing, and then I look at the footage and I go, okay, this was an interesting part of the flight. I'm gonna make a story and I use voiceover. So I I'm really not thinking about that part of it. When we're on the ground and before the flight or after, or we're at a destination, then I'm thinking like, oh, let me get this shot. I brought my drone to get this thing or I want to shoot these kinds of things. But um, when we're actually flying, like I'm just really just flying. The cameras are there sort of capturing it.
1: And uh, in, in a couple of your video, I mean, you've seen, you know, um, all pilots sort of have close calls, but I've seen a couple of your videos where you actually have been recording and, you know, there have been some <laughs> interesting close calls which you managed to cap- capture. You want to just sort of chat to us about the, how, when, when that happened, well, firstly, tell us what they were and then how that translated into a video.
0: Yeah, we had one where, we were flying and then there was a, uh, another plane that we could see on our traffic alert system that was close by and I, I, could, I couldn't see him visually and then he turned towards us and it was just kind of really tense when you see on the little, on the iPad, basically of an iPad and you see the traffic target like coming towards you closer and closer and you can't see him, where is he? Everybody's looking. So um, that was one instance <laughs> uh, where it was kind of kind of nerve wracking. And then there was another where, you know, another video where we had like really gusty winds. We had to go around two or three times before we would land, and it was at the at the edge of my personal minimums as far as like crosswinds and stuff, so tricky landings. And in the, both those cases, like I'm definitely not thinking about the shooting or the story or anything. i I am after I land go, oh man, we got that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> people are going to really like that. there's a good drama there or whatever, but um, but yeah.
1: I think there was one where your um one of the cargo compartments popped open while you're flying over hollywood
0: right oh right yeah so the front baggage compartment on the airplane have there's like a front baggage compartment there's a baggage door and i forgot to to lock it and latch it i think it might have popped it but it as i was flying like going to look at the hollywood sign and make a couple turns doing a little sightseeing flight at sunset like on my own just for fun the thing pops open and I've got stuff in there. I've got equipment in there that can fall out over Hollywood. And I was just, it was just crazy. I was, you know, terrified that. So I didn't make any right turns. It was like (laughs) only left turns and had to like call air traffic control. And I wasn't far from my home airport. It was only a few miles. So it was maybe like four or five minutes in the air with this thing open. Um, There was a lot of dangerous aspects of that. Luckily everything worked out. And when I got on the ground, I was like, oh, I hope I hope those cameras recorded because this will be a really good lesson for other people too. like, hey, you got to do a better pre flight than I did. Part of my channel is like showing my mistakes, too, which uh, not a lot of people in the aviation space do
1: it's it is good because the, you see the community sort of rally around that like so many of them talk about like you know what that meant to see that and like the lessons that like, they learned from that and then they reflect on their own experience it's like a it's a really i mean strong community builder and, like people share a lot of information across that which is which is great you know I mean YouTube is not just an entertainment area but it is somewhere where people can learn more about sort of what they love as well um which you sort of highlighted but I guess yeah at the end of the day though when you you do are able to capture that that must be also i mean it's scary and it's rewarding though isn't it
0: it is yeah, it is rewarding, and it is it is nice when, like, I've, I'll put up things where I've made mistakes on certain approaches, or you know, there's things I could have done better to hold. And I talk about it in the videos to hold myself accountable because I want to be the best pilot that I can be. And I get comments where like, hey, this is a really refreshing approach, or like, good on you for, you know, showing your mistakes. Not nobody else really is doing that. I get a lot of feedback like that. I think it's a valuable thing for the aviation community because it'll make. Aviation safer for everybody. If we're having this attitude, uh, like a, not a macho attitude about it, that's one of the things they teach you in the, in the training for being a private pilot is a hazardous attitudes. One of them is like this macho attitude, like, Oh, I'm so, so awesome about this. Um, I can I make no mistakes. Um, and I take the opposite. Like, Hey, you can come with your criticism because I will hold myself to account. If I hold myself to account, it'll make, this community better it'll make it safer um and i think that's and and it'll make my flying safer too Mm. selfishly and so i think it's valuable
1: i mean we talked about like obviously some of the trickier flights but like can you tell us about like what was the most popular video for you that you launched that really was there one that really launched your channel forward or was it just a series of videos that kept the channel growing
0: yeah there was one video and it was um it was pretty much right after the pandemic started and i wanted to make a video about the renovation of my airplane because I bought this airplane and we did everything, replaced the engine, all the whole panel, the electronics in it and the interior um, pretty much like everything. it's like buying like a super beat up classic car and like making it almost like new again. So I wanted to tell the story of the renovation. And I was like, man, I want to make this interesting because I don't think anybody just wants to watch like a dude sit and talk about, like how they like replaced like the carpet in their airplane (laughs) right so that's not that great so i i did it in a style that was like this tv show drunk history um where people tell a story and then the actors like mouth the words of the person telling a story and there's a lot of like comedy elements in it um so i did that and that video kind of just took off and as i was making it i remember calling my brother and going like i'm working on another video and i I'm pretty sure this video is going to be really popular with pilots because like they love to see these transformations of the airplanes. And I think it's going to be really entertaining. I've never seen anybody do it in this way before. And so that video just like totally took off and has been the most popular one. It has over a million views now, which I think is it's pretty good for an aviation video. Um, I mean, I see videos that have way more views than that on YouTube. But um, for my channel, it's been the most popular one.
1: Yeah, show
2: yourself a short a million views on any video. Is, yeah, it is, um, is good. It is, is good. <laughs> um, I mean, I remember watching that, I think, when we were in in a hard lockdown down here in, in Melbourne. Um, and like everyone probably knows already, I'm not an a aviation buff by any means, but it it's very much like one of those, yeah, like you use the analogy of like doing up your car or a van, um, like a renovate, but it's like, yeah, such a really great story that it like doesn't matter what your, like your passion sort of carried it and the the way you told that story rather than like it doesn't matter if you like planes or if you're into cars or whatever it's kind of like the same reason people love watching west coast customs or anything like that but even a a higher your video would be a higher production value than than those tv shows Mm. um in in for that so yeah no it's 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 really interesting to see how like the the niche passion can can sort of transcend that and and you Like I'm sure that the million people that have watched that aren't all aviation buffs Mm -hmm. for sure. There's at least one like me, but yeah, like I think that's kind of, that's the kind of content that goes beyond the, the super, super flat, flat crew nerd people nerding out on the, on the intimate detail of the plane.
0: Transcended in some way like that, that the niche audience. And the challenge for me is like, how do I make all my videos do that? Because Mm -hmm. I would love them to, but I think that's that's a that's a tough challenge for a specifically aviation centric YouTube channel, um, and I have some ideas that I think I'm, I'm working on that I think will accomplish that in their own. But I think a lot of the channel is still going to be like nerdy pilot stuff because I'm in I'm into that, and I think like I, I want to tell those stories too, and I can't totally figure out a way to like make those have such a broad appeal because they're just like wonky pilot stuff <laughs> well you could
1: just buy a new plane every every, <laughs> every, every week and, and, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, could, it could be a plane renovation show that could be really popular actually there'd be a lot of people who, who are into that hey but uh, one thing that um, that's interesting about your channel um usually what we tend to see is that people tend to th- to add more production values to make their videos better and appeal to more of an audience but on youtube that really makes a big difference like if the connection isn't there if the audience isn't engaged generally no matter how much production value you put into it it doesn't make a difference um and you can still have a you know a hard outcome from a video that's brilliantly produced whereas a video that could be done on you know a phone with zero production value can you can kill it right so it comes down to engagement What, what you think what you've managed to do is take those skills and and add some production value especially with that video you were talking about with the renovation one you added that production value but the story was so good and so you know, enticing. And so, um, open to so many different people, I think it translated well and it it worked well on the platform. And I think it's straddling that, that gap between, you know, the right amount of production value, but not at the expense of the story and the engagement, which is something I think a lot of YouTubers really sometimes will struggle to to get right.
0: I think a lot of times the production value doesn't matter at all. Um, and even in like the professional work, like there's a, there's a minimum, but, that we have to meet but sometimes the story a lot of times the story can just totally transcend it and it doesn't it does it's so compelling and engaging that it doesn't matter um and on youtube for sure like and it's a little bit for me like i spend a lot of time on my videos for my own creative satisfaction and sometimes i'm like dude stop spending so much time on these videos because people don't really care you know like sometimes they don't care about oh the color is this and i put a little window here and make this exactly right and you know or mix it just right and the music comes in and i edit the music and then i'll watch other stuff where it's just like they just slap the track on it and then just do an abrupt cut over here and i'm like oh my god like i could never live with myself if i did that <laughs> you know because like i come from a different background but I'm trying to like let go of that, but I'm also doing this for my own creative satisfaction. So it's this constant like push and pull. I always have this battle in editing and I still just spend time on it until I'm happy with it. I think I'll probably just stick with that because once I stop doing that, then like I'll just go, you know, like might as well just be shooting the commercials for everybody else. Yeah. You know, so I got to do it for me too. It's funny. Hey,
2: um, Eric, we actually, speaking of commercials for everyone else, we spoke about transferring your skills. Over to YouTube, but what about what are you taking taking yes. back to the commercial world? Like, what do you like? Is there anything that you've learned that oh, you're yeah. you're coming back on set and you're like, hey guys, well that next piece. I love this
0: question. Yeah, because well, what's happened with the budgets here now that we have everybody wants to shoot with smaller crews because of the um, the virus stuff. So, you know, the crews are smaller, so we've had to get a little scrappier with what we're doing, and. It's been awesome because I'm going in and I'm talking to the people that I've worked with for a long time and saying, like, I've been doing some like stuff on my own a little bit. Like I'm and, and those skills that I've developed a little bit more like, oh, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can make this look good with barely anything because I'm like doing it all the time now. Um, and yeah, I am bringing that back to set for sure. Like I just had a job where it was it was um, with this musician um, with Raphael Sadiq in his studio and it was me and one other person and we had three cameras uh, and like, there's like 50 people on the zoom for the clients and the <laughs> network and everybody. And it's me and one other guy, a friend of mine. And we set up like three cameras and one's on a motorized slider and this and that. And it's just like, we we had to use like lightweight stuff that was easy to move around and like a little more prosumery cameras, but applying all of my like lighting knowledge from like my real jobs and then applying a lot of this like do-it-yourself camera stuff from youtube and it just like came together and the thing is it looks it was for lexus and like it's not out yet but it looks awesome like everybody was super happy and i was like man we the two of us did this like <laughs> this would normally be it would normally be like a crew of 20 for sure and there was two of us it was wow yeah so, and it are is it like
2: are the content is the content slightly different as well like is it does it have you replicated what a crew of 20 would do or does it have that a different feel to it as well
0: no we're doing just like the same stuff we were doing before but with with fewer people and all the jobs are really getting like that where it's just like oh no we we want they want to cut it down for you know covid reasons everybody's got to stay six feet and it's like yeah it's it's more work now than it than it's been and with fewer people so this crossover is really happening you know it's gonna just keep going the stuff i see on youtube i mean i also watch a lot of like camera review stuff from like people who want to be in more professional space and they have like a youtube channel about like here's the latest sony camera like their stuff is looking better and better and you know things are just really converging in that way it's pretty interesting
1: yeah it's um it it is interesting like you're probably you know you probably got now a little bit more of of a lead given your new skills or uh, revised skill set based on your youtube experience but also i mean it's it's so much i mean that content, YouTube content, that short, what they call short form content, I guess, across all those short form platforms is, is so prolific now. It's such a big part of people's viewing habits. You know, five, ten years ago, it was still, you know, mainly TV and then this YouTube and everything else was on the side. But now some people say, well, primarily their watching habits are around this short form social content and then they got TV on the other side of that. So those skills are obviously going to become more and more valuable, um, especially in the, I guess, um, in across everything to do with, with camera cinematography. So it would be interesting to see how that evolves. Do you have any thoughts about how that might evolve further?
0: Yeah, I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, I still think there's, there's a, there's a huge, I mean, it's like the golden age of television now for so many shows, shows are being made on like Netflix, all the streaming services. And these are like high budget shows, high production value shows. Like the demand is still there for those, or at least they're making a lot of that stuff, but then there's, a lot of demand also on the YouTube side. So I think there's, there's a little bit of a convergence with people maybe back stepping back and forth or the qual at least the quality of YouTube coming up. Uh, And I'm not sure what's going to happen with like the actual, you know, the, the show, the Netflix type shows, I think they'll kind of stay where they are. I think just like the YouTube quality for some things is just going to come up. Um, I guess, I don't know. Mm.
1: Interesting to see where, where it all goes
2: on that note. Where does it all go? It's time for my favorite segue.
0: <laughs> where we get
2: to go down the YouTube or Internet rabbit hole? Like that segue? I'm working on them. I'm trying to make really radio, radio segues. Oh, uh, it's... This is this is where I, I get to find out and pick pick find it where the depths of uh the internet has taken you lately. Um where has the YouTube or internet rabbit hole? led you astray or led you to somewhere you wanted to go
0: oh so yeah i've been really mostly watching like um like diy engineering project videos um with uh you know starting with like mark rober who's like you know huge youtuber um but all all the channels like that because my daughter is 13 she's into like making stuff we actually took like mark rober's like monthly course on engineering and we made a couple projects together so we've been watching like all these engineering kind of like project things, so and that sort of just goes on and on and on. Well, that's killer, Fred. Where have you been?
1: Uh, well, um, I kind of remember the channel, but it's a it's a channel that talks about the physics behind certain things, like it could be a, a machine or how something works, and they just took they make it really accessible. Um, and they said, you know, this is how uh like this helicopter worked or this uh this building worked and the physics behind it and how it stands and so I was like this is really like fascinating i just found myself one night just <laughs> just watching endless videos about it and i'm like oh i mean, i feel like i'm i'm super interested in the physics of things now
2: we'll have to find out what that channel is and add that to the show notes or something or yeah. so i've got i got to find it I was, it's, it's,
1: it's one of those things that you watch and then you're like oh that was really great and then you just forget what was that exactly again because i didn't maybe didn't watch it in, in enough but um yeah there was a did you I for I, I think because it was something to do with aviation and then they were talking about different designs of planes and I think he'd done one on a plane and that's how I got onto the channel. Like It, as, it was one of the suggested videos as the algorithm likes connect, making these connections and then from there I went down his channel across all the, the explanations he created, which was pretty awesome. He's an Irish guy, I'm pretty sure, but yeah, we've, got to, we've got to look that up. Awesome. We'll mm. find out. Mm. Well,
2: yes, yeah, like the rabbit hole that takes you down because I think... In a previous episode, I mentioned um, Chad and J- JT goes deep, but I think the algorithm sort of sent me down that rabbit hole beyond those guys. But I found I ended up on a, a very new channel, and I think I've got to write it written down, The Inspired Unemployed, and it came up in the recommended. And I was like, hey, well, clicked on it. It's their first video on this channel, and it's called The Untold Story of the Inspired Unemployed. And it's just two Aussie guys sitting in a paddock like in a, out in the country having beers on a couple of camping chairs telling their, their story um, about being kind of slackers, essentially. Um, funny guys, but, like, they've, they've got, like, 16,000 subscribers. They've just released their second video in, like, yesterday, and that video got, had 100,000 views and was, like, trending number eight in, in Australia and, and YouTube. And I'm like, it, the rabbit hole led me there, and it was actually quite good. And their first video was very, very simple like two idiots <laughs> drinking beers, telling stories. And, um, but yeah, there you go, Eric. Like, I guess the story, right? Like it doesn't, didn't have to be whiz bang trickery. Um, but yeah, it's a good, good story. And, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So that's what the, the rabbit hole works. Like the <laughs> algorithm
1: knows well now. So yeah, that's where I've been. <sighs> well, on that note, uh, we actually do have run out of time, um, but Eric, thanks so much for uh, joining us. But before I actually, before we do sign off, do you have, you know, you are pretty new to YouTube. Uh, do you have any tips for anyone who's jumping out of the platform who might be new to it and thinking about jumping into it now that this is a, a good time to do it? Like what would what would you say, a top maybe two or three takeaways um, for someone starting?
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I guess my one takeaway is just to tell tell the compelling stories that you're passionate about and think of if the, if the channel, if it makes sense for your channel, think about your videos as stories that you're going to tell that people can relate to and that somehow like illuminate something about, you know, or that's relatable uh, to other humans, you know, like a human aspect to it. Um, I mean, there's some channels that don't fit that, but uh, for the most part, like that, that can generally be applied to everything. So to tell the most compelling story and then, you know, share. Everybody says, like, you know, make stuff that you're passionate about. And I think that's true because the way like the way that I'm doing stuff, it's a lot of work. And it can also be like I worked on, you know, we did this video about us going paragliding and I was so excited about it. And I like so much heart to it. It was like a really I put so much work into it. And it was like one of the videos that did the worst on my channel. And I was so bummed out about it. So, um, yeah, I think like what you're tell stuff that you're passionate about, because if it's, if you're not loving the process of it, you're not passionate about telling stories when you, when you have those setbacks, they're going to defeat you a little more than they would if, you know, you're still enjoying actually doing it. Um, yeah. And the other one is just try to keep things simple from a storytelling aspect and think about. What your audience wants to see and what you want them to get out of watching, um, watching what you're making.
1: Great advice. Very good advice, actually. Um, especially from someone who's come spend a long time in the industry. Um, it fits very well with both both spaces. So, thanks very much for joining us. And yeah, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon.
0: Thanks, Eric. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was super fun. Created look on the mic.